What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another thrilling episode of this podcast. I hate every single sport. Uh, I am a depressed Philadelphia sports fan at the moment, and I can tell you tell you why if you'd like, but I'm sure you all know exactly why. The Phillies are the unluckiest team in baseball. The 76ers have just turned into the unluckiest team in basketball, although you could very easily argue that Glenn Rivers as previously stated, is a farthead uh, for some reason leaving Embiid in there way too long to turn our first two games into auto losses against the Heat. Um, so you can tell how little pride I have in my teams by the hat I'm wearing right now. Guys, this is the Clearwater Threshers, a single-A affiliate with the Philadelphia Phillies. And honest to God, I could not name one player. Uh one statistic, not even, you know, their record at the moment, but I will say I'm, I'm more prideful in them than anything else I have going on right now. Uh, Jet wanted to implement some story time into the episode, so enough depression for me. Let's hop into the story time, Jet. What do you got for us? Well, well, before I hop into that story time, Tom is depressed. I'm absolutely ecstatic right now. Um, things are looking up down in South Florida for all the uh, Miami sports teams. <laughs> Just a little summary. Obviously, never want to wish you know any injury among anybody, and I never did. But um, all I'll say is it it helps the Miami Heat out a little bit. But the thing is, I prefer Joel Embiid to play because we don't want all that talk about you know the Heat didn't earn it, the Heat this, the Heat that, fluke, bubble, Mickey Mouse, all those common you know terminology that we hear used with the Heat, which is total and complete nonsense. Um, Marlins they lost today, but they were on a seven game winning streak. Everything's finally coming together. The LED lights in the stadium look unbelievable. Um, fans yeah, how's the, how's the aquarium look, Jet? Fans are in the building. Uh, I believe today we had 23,000 fans and 230 <laughs> dogs at today's Bark at the Park. So really excited. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a new high in dogs at Marlins Park or Lone Depot Park. <laughs> um, and then for the Dolphins, we didn't have many picks, but that draft – was umbrellaed with a Tyreek Hill trade that happened early on in the season, but enough talk about my teams. I'm just really excited to just be where I am. I'm fortunate that I have such, you know, great leadership in all those teams and a lot of great talent coming in and out of those doors. But as far as this story goes, um, this segment that we're introducing, um, I actually started working as a, I like to call it game day operations position. Some other people refer <laughs> to it as a bad boy, but, um, <laughs> No, I, I, had, I had the privilege to be accepted into the Bradenton Marauders organization, a single-A affiliate for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, you can see here, if you're watching either on YouTube or the video version on Spotify, me... Which is available now, guys. I don't know if we even told you that, but uh, it, it's available now. You can you available. can definitely watch us on Spotify. Just turn that phone sideways, ladies and gents. I didn't know it was available until I clicked the button and I realized that we can actually do that. But um, yeah, it, it's available. Um, if you look at this picture, you'll see a very handsome young man with his hands on his hips, um, really focused on finding that next foul ball, finding that next at bat, <laughs> just, just to make sure, um, you know, everything's going smoothly. And I, actually that happens to be me. Uh, second mm. day on the job, working the home team dugout, celebrating a nice victory at the end of the game with uh now my, my fellow teammates as i like to call them and my my you know 
my coaching staff as well, all, all great guys. You know, a lot of these guys we could end up seeing in the big leagues with the Pirates one day. I hope to continue to build relationships with these guys and all the other teams that I may see if I'm in the away dugout. But new a new adventure I'm starting on, and um, we'll see if I can get called up to the big leagues one day. <laughs> yeah, so let me go ahead and break this down from a, a fundamental standpoint here. Uh, this guy that you're seeing, Jet obviously pointed out that it's him, and I, I knew it as soon as I saw it, and I'll tell you that story in a second. But <clears throat> at first glance, if you don't know Jet, you think this guy is maybe like a first-year player that just did his first homer because he seems to be getting the silent treatment in the dugout pretty bad right now. I'm not really seeing too many human interaction for this, you know, as, as my co-host would call it, handsome young fellow. Uh, he looks he looks dialed in, laser focus, possible Adderall before, but uh, he's ready. He's ready for the next bat. He's ready, like he said, he's ready for anything. I'll tell you how I knew exactly who this was. That is Jet's power stance, and and my God, that is a power stance at that. I mean, I just remember one game playing against Inspiration Academy back in Tampa. You know, Jet was Jet was hyped. I mean, this was. This was one of his first appearances of the year. He was playing right field. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Playing right field, fly ball hit right to him. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt here and say it was in the lights, guys, but uh, I don't know. I think it might have been a daytime game. I can't really remember for sure. It was nighttime. It was nighttime. Okay. It was in the lights then. The <laughs> ball hit the ground. <laughs> the, ball, <laughs> the ball hit the ground, and, and that's the stance you saw in right field for, you know, what, what ended up being actually a bit of a snowball inning for us there at Tampa. Um, yeah, there it is. If you're watching, I mean, that's exactly the stance. Uh, the inning ended finally after a few unearned runs for our poor pitcher out there. Jet ran back in, same stance in the dugout. I had to run over to him and, and calm down a bit. Hand on the heart, Jet. I don't know if you remember this. I was like, Jet, your heart is beating faster than I've ever seen anything heart beat. You just need to calm down. He calmed down. And let me tell you how much this worked. He went right up to the plate, uh, and he struck out. So, I mean, just a little story time. Jet wanted to implement this, so I decided to go ahead and implement with him. Uh, you can see some equipment malfunctions going on on his screen now. He's, he's really handling it. I can't, I can't tell if he's laughing with pain or, or anger right now, but. Well, here's the thing. I want There's to, a story time. I just want to clarify some of the points in that story. Um, all the statements that Tommy said. A hundred percent accurate. Yeah, I wish. Except I could the say, lost in the lights part. Except the lost. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could say, um, you know, any of that was false. But unfortunately, that kind of sealed my fate with the University of Tampa JV. <laughs> and um, the rest is history. I've the rest been, is I've history. Now, I've now been demoted to club baseball. Club baseball and Bat Boy. Bat Boy. Yep. Or what did you call it? On-field specialist? Um, I like or... to call it game day operations. Okay, game day operations. Either way, I mean, that is a power stance, and we all know it. I mean, I think I might start implementing that into my day. Might wake up and hit the jet stretch. I, I, have, a little, I have a little um, contest for, everyone, for all of our viewers out there. Um, we want everyone to get involved. Everyone that <laughs> listens, send us a picture of you doing your best <laughs> jet stance and we will have a to be determined prize for you as long as you send that photo to our dms we'll give you the thumbs up if it's worthy 
you could have the chance to be featured on our story or a future podcast um, picture, but we will give you a prize for the best person that is able to imitate this photo the the closest. Okay, yeah, and we we do we do uh, make jokes about prizes all the time on the show. This I I, I could get behind this, Jet. We could definitely give out a prize to whoever not sends it to us, posts it on Instagram, and tags us. They have to they have to feel the humiliation. Uh, so just the power stance at twenty five eight sports. The best one does win a prize. But will we say that we'll we'll allow like story posts, or does it have to be a regular post? Story posts are allowed. Okay. It just ha- it has to be an Instagram account with more than a hundred followers, though. Okay, so sorry to you, Brendan. Uh, you don't you missed the cut there. <laughs> um, but everyone else, you're good to go. Yeah, no burner accounts. We need we need real accounts. Humiliation gets gets you the prize. And honestly, great chance you win because there's not a chance of more than one per in this contest. But uh, yeah, so welcome to story time. First use of the screen share here. And if screen share somehow does not translate onto Spotify, we have just wasted about 15 minutes of the show. Uh, okay, that's okay. People, I think it's still people, a good story. They don't need to see it. People can paint the picture, and if they need to know what the power stance looks like, I um, properly demonstrated for them about the 7-minute yeah, 23 mark, so... Uh, was that is that an actual timestamp? I, I I don't know. Please, nobody take my word for that. Just an approximation. Can we can we get a timestamp of your power power stance? Absolutely, the... yes. Okay. that'll be that'll be available. Okay, so should be no problems then. All right, let's let's get to the the good stuff now. We got a, we, got a, <laughs> we got a lot of you know actual sports you know to talk about. So yeah, so honestly, a very like we're full swing right now for all four major sports. I would say. Hockey just started their playoffs. NBA is right in the middle of theirs. MLB, I mean, we still obviously have teams with bad luck getting screwed and teams with good luck being praised. Um, Phillies and Mets are two great examples of of those in, in order. So, oh, and obviously football, the draft just happened. We're, we're almost to the point where we can start making some way too early NFL predictions. Like, So we got a lot coming here. And also, I would like to point out while we're on the – topic of just content coming we do have we didn't forget about team of the month tomorrow we will be recording hopefully it'll be out tomorrow night or sometime tuesday morning we will be recording a team of the month episode and it's gonna it's gonna be fun we 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 haven't determined what team we're gonna be talking about yet but it'll be a good one but first jet you talk about the nfl draft so take it away get us started with that Absolutely. Um, you know, for everyone out there that you know paid attention to the draft, um, obviously it always brings in record-breaking numbers. You know, for people to watch. Unfortunately, um, it gets more viewership than some MLB games, some MLB postseason games. But that's just the business of the NFL. They make it a full entertainment event. And um, I didn't get to see much of the draft live, but I do want to provide everyone a quick recap. It was a draft like we've never seen before just because, you know, we're so used to seeing QBs go off the board very early on. But in this draft, the first QB didn't go off the board until pick 20, and that was to the Pittsburgh Steelers' Kenny Pickett staying right in his home state in Pittsburgh um, out of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, Obviously, a lot of people didn't even expect him to be the first quarterback off the board. 
Malik Willis, who a lot of people had pegged as the number one quarterback in this draft class, didn't go until the third round, 22, 22nd pick in that round to the Tennessee Titans. Um, but a lot of teams, you know, fulfilled their quarterback needs in this draft. Desmond Ritter to the Falcons, Pickett, like I said, to the Steelers, Willis to the Titans, Sam Howell to the Washington Commanders, Matt Corral to the um, Carolina Panthers, and then among other ones that are not as notable. But Tommy, not not sure like how much you know about a bunch of these quarterbacks. But yeah. given that, given the situations we know with these teams, do you think that any of these quarterbacks are going to be able to make an impact in year one? Uh, just just a few few things I'd like to say first, Jet. Do you still hear me? Your your feed is a little frozen. Can you hear me? I hear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. That's fine. Um. A few things I'd like to get to first. Yes, I did watch the entirety of the first round. I watched a few snippets of the second. And day three, it's obviously kind of you just follow on your phone. I think that's what most people do. But first thing I'd like to say, as soon as Corral got picked, I saw the absolute, just for lack of a better term, shit show coming for Carolina Twitter. It's Corralina, boys. So anytime that guy does anything, Carolina. And if that doesn't happen, I'll honestly be disappointed because that's exactly what needs to happen. I mean, it just makes sense. Uh, just like Joey Franchise. Right, Jet? Joey Bangle? Um, but no, so I, I don't know much about all these quarterbacks. I do know about Kenny Pickett. And I think that he very easily could make an impact on – not even year one, I think day one. I think he can very easily um what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um fight, like fight for a, a starting spot. It starts with a C, but whatever. Contend, he, he can very contend. Yeah, like uh, com- compete. Compete. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. He can very easily compete for a starting spot, I think, on week one. I don't think it's but like I said, there's there's a good chance that he outperforms and as it stands right now. A Mitchell Trubisky injury, he's starting because there's just no need for him not to. Obviously, the offense is a trouble for him, and if they do think that he could be a franchise quarterback in the future, that Steelers offensive line needs to be shored up before they get him on the field. Um, I think it's it's stupid to give him worthless snaps, especially if they just start losing later in the year. I mean, obviously, like they got to play him at some point, but you know, I don't think they should throw him behind that dumpster fire because say he's a premier talent. They, they could very easily just screw him. Um, as a Colts fan, that just hits harder for me. So maybe I'm just talking out of my butt right now, but there's that uh, Matt Corral. I know my dad's a huge giants fan. He wanted him on the giants. I don't know a single thing about him. Honest to God, but DD, what do you know about the, Oh, Malik Willis, obviously Malik Willis was, he was supposed to go number one, right. As uh, out of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, he was projected top ten pick, wasn't he? Um, some some mock drafts have him going ten, some have him going like towards the later end of the first round, but no one saw him falling all the way to the third. Yeah, and so great pick for Tennessee because they need a quarterback here soon. Honestly, I think he can play today on that team. I think Matt, uh, not Matt Ryan, uh, Ryan Tannehill is. I was just thinking of the better Ryan apparently in the division, but Ryan Tannehill, he is, and I've always said this. I think he, I mean, you know him better than I do. He was not good with Miami. That's common knowledge. 
And he was not good with Tennessee, really. I mean, his first year, he had a good year. And after that, it's been a slowly, like a slowly sliding down. Just, it, it hasn't been good at all. So, Malik Willis, will he contend day one for a starting job? No. But I think that it's a wise decision for the Titans to get him involved very early on because Tannehill carried by more. This guy has nobody to throw to. Derrick Henry's getting older, and this is something that I stand by. I always, even when Henry was last year, towards the end of last year, I thought he was a bit overrated. Obviously, before that in his career, he was the best running back that we've watched play probably outside of a few guys that are like crazy, like Jamal Charles and Arian Foster in his prime. But, you know, Derrick Henry was ridiculous. So you could even honestly argue that he's better than them. But he's not there anymore, and I and I promise by that he's he's not there anymore. He's still going to be good. He's still going to feel his impact, but he's not where he was. So no more AJ Brown. Julio Jones didn't really have much of an impact, but you still have to guard him. It's still a name that you have to cover. Um, and defenses think about him. They game plan for that because just because of the name factor. So no AJ Brown, no Julio, Derrick Henry decline. <clears throat> where does that leave you, Tennessee? In my opinion, I think Malik Willis should start. I think he should start. I don't think they contend for the division this year. I don't think they do either. Um, if we're talking about quarterbacks that I think are going to be able to make an impact in year one, my answer to that would be Desmond Ritter uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, they have Marcus Mariota there. I don't think he's going to be the starter that deep into the season. I think they give Ritter a shot pretty early on, and I think, you know, they, they added a weapon in uh, Drake London. They still have Kyle Pitts, Olamide Zacharias. Can't forget about him as well. Um, obviously, no Russell Gage, no Calvin Ridley because of suspension for Ridley. But um, I do think that based looking at the other situations, I don't think Willis sees the field that much in year one. Pickett, I think, sees the field, but towards the later end of the season, Matt Corral, I think he has a very good chance to see the field very early on. I don't think Sam Darnold lasts that long. Um, as far as like long term, obviously the you know a lot of people feel like Malik Willis has the the best op- best chance at being the best quarterback long term. But if I had to like rank these quarterbacks in order of long term success, I would go um, Willis, Ritter, Pickett, Corral. Um, then you could you know the best of the rest, but. I, I do. I, Where's Jacob Eason on that list? Jacob Eason. <laughs> um, I, I obviously there's a lot of concerns about this quarterback class, a very you know weak class compared to other ones we've seen in the past. But I do think there's plenty of opportunities for some of these guys to take over starting jobs, uh, especially in year one. Yeah, and if I had to pick a winner and a loser of this draft, I, I don't know if you're ready to get there. I would say biggest winner is Philadelphia. Even though their draft may have not been as, you know, perfect as they had hoped, they still had some, I mean, what's his name? Nicobe Dean, right? Yeah. Yep. That was a great, that was an absolute steal in the third round. That was absolutely worth it. Obviously, the rest of their picks are trumped because A.J. Brown was sent over and extended four years. That is a monumental weapon for A.J. Brown to have because, I mean, Devontae Smith, he was that guy last year. And now to have Devontae Smith as the two, 
I think that completely spreads out the offense, especially they were the number one ranked running offense last season, which I really don't understand how, because you, you don't like see like one guy and think, Oh crap. It, it's the whole offensive line that, that made that decision. Um, they decided that they were going to carry their running backs to the best running offense. Um, so I think, I think Philadelphia, if Jalen hurts can put together even a mediocre season, we see like a, 49ers last year type run from Philadelphia in my um, quarterback play aside, they were still making it to that, that uh, NFC playoffs. So like Garoppolo had nothing to do with it. Jalen hurts, I think is better than Garoppolo. And I think he may not necessarily have anything to do with it, but this is a good offense. The defense got better. Uh, I think, I think Philadelphia is the clear cut winner of this draft for me. Yeah. I can't argue with that. I think, Devontae Smith profiles more as a, you know, high-end wide receiver two, if we're talking about. I don't think he can be a wide receiver one in this league, but obviously A.J. Brown fits that role perfectly, so it's a great add for the Philadelphia Eagles, who definitely improved coming out of this draft, gives Jalen Hurts another weapon. Um, The team that I think won this draft and has a history of winning draft after draft after draft, I think it was the Baltimore Ravens, and... The big reason is, is I feel like they're able to find tremendous value in a lot of the guys they pick, a lot of the guys that a lot of the teams pass on for guys such as Cole Strange to the New England Patriots, who is a pick, you know, pulled out of left field. The Ravens are able to pick the best available player and get value on those guys. Two of the three of the names in the beginning of their draft, Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Linderbaum, in the first round, those are guys that are at the top of their respective positions and are going to be able to make an impact in year one. And then on top of that, they got, if healthy, he would have been a top 10 pick David Ojobo from Michigan, the outside linebacker. If he is able to recover from his Achilles injury, which obviously it's a very serious injury um, to be able to add someone with that kind of talent to the Baltimore Ravens defense that needs to you know, get a little bit younger. I think that is a tremendous pick. And then just looking at, you know, the rest of the draft, they, you know, what the Ravens like to do with their through tight end sets. So they added some young talent at the tight end position, um, improved their trenches, added some offensive tackles and defensive linemen, but really another strong draft from the Ravens. But another thing I want to talk about the Ravens, they sent Marquise Brown to the Arizona Cardinals for a uh, first-round pick, which I was surprised that they were able to get a first-round pick for Brown, but they did. Um, Now he's an Arizona Cardinal. What did you make of this trade when you saw that it happened? Uh, I just thought immediately of our good friend Connor Palesh, and literally uh, immediately after I check Instagram and I just see this guy just – post a tribute to Marquise Brown, even though he was never that good with them. But it's funny nonetheless. Uh, interesting trade. I, I, I saw Lamar also was very upset about the trade. Did you see? Yes, yes. So, Which is understandable. I mean, you, you took, Very understandable. You take a weapon and, and a good friend away from Lamar right. Jackson. Now you have Rashad. From LJ Mason. era. Yeah. <laughs> you can't take a weapon and a friend away from LJ era. Obviously, Mark Andrews is still there. But, like, who cares? The The offense is going to be even less spread out than it was last year. And like we've talked about before, I hate the Ravens, but this was an 8-3 and three team before Lamar got hurt last year. And that was an 8-3 and three team 
nowhere even remotely close to full strength. So, I mean, for a team that I really think didn't think need to make any moves, they just needed to be healthy. It's very strange to see them get rid of somebody. Obviously, Christian Kirk made the whole entire wide receiver class just turn into mayhem, I, for lack of a better term. There's no other way to put it, really. I just I, – I was confused about that one. Obviously, we talked about A.J. Brown a little bit before. A little bit less confused because A.J. Brown expressed disappointment and expressed wanting to possibly go somewhere else for a new contract. Um. And I have said this. I don't know if I actually said this to you or not, but I think the A.J. Brown trade won Philadelphia the division. I agree. I, I do. Think and I think it won the Colts the division. I think that trade alone won both of those teams their respective divisions. I, I totally agree. I mean, I had both of those. I had um, the Eagles already won in the division prior to that trade, but I think that even increases their chances more. Um, I always had the Colts win in the division as well, but I just think that both of these teams' chances definitely increased with some of the trades we saw. Yeah, some visual aid here. My left hand was the Cowboys last season. My right hand was the Eagles last season. Much closer than you really think. The Cowboys obviously won both games last year. And not only did we see the Eagles take this step, we saw the Cowboys take this step. So now this gap is really big. And barring a $20 million running back going like he's supposed to for Dallas, I don't know if there's much – I don't know if there's much Dallas can do. Not really. They're they're pretty, you know. Another thing. On cap. Yeah, go ahead. Another thing I will say, the the defense last year was good. and you But you could argue it was a lot for Dallas because the yards allowed was not good. The points allowed was only good because of how many turnovers they got. And typically receiver or cornerbacks don't get this many, like, turnovers back-to-back years a lot of the things like a lot of the times interceptions are a quarterback stat and rightfully so um obviously two or three times a year a really good cornerback is going to jump around really well and come away with the ball but the way Trayvon Diggs did it last year a lot of the time it seemed like it may have been underthrown balls or tipped balls obviously I'm not doubting Trayvon Diggs um ball skills but i don't know i think we could see another six or seven win season for this dallas team i mean it's definitely possible obviously a lot of shuffling in this offseason and uh, not not many options when you're so tight on cap but last thing i just want to mention before we move on to our next segment in regards to the draft um i just want to declare what i think is going to be the steal of this draft and for me i think it's a clear answer and that's Traylon Burks for the Tennessee Titans wide receiver uh, he was the sixth wide receiver taken off the board and many people potentially had him going as the number one wide receiver off the board obviously with no more AJ Brown I think Burks is going to be able to fill that role and excel at that role obviously once Malik Willis becomes the quarterback I think he is going to be just fine and just looking at you know, some of the players taken in the first round and where they were taken in the first round I have a feeling that Traylon Burks is going to not only become maybe top one, top two receiver in this class, but be an absolute steal in this draft. Something interesting that I I did see with the Malik Willis take was, do you think that Tennessee is like a a team that will only see uh, 
mobile quarterbacks from them because if you look at like recent quarterbacks, I mean, they went obviously Vince Young was a little little while ago, but Mariota, he was he's mobile. Tannehill is even mobile. Malik Willis is mobile. Do you think this is a team that we may never see your traditional quarterback again from? Um, I mean, I I think it more it has more to do with just the the evolution of the quarterback position. These types of quarterbacks are more in demand. Obviously, a lot of these quarterbacks don't have some of the arm strength that we're seeing with the traditional quarterback. It obviously is part of their philosophy to target a quarterback of this nature, and it you know it's it's worked to a certain degree in the past. But I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, all their Super Bowl rings. Yeah, I mean, it shows how well it worked. Well, I mean, but it is they they are you know following what's in and what's hot right now, and what's hot right now is the is the twenty five eight sports cast. That that <laughs> and the mobile quarterback. That yeah. yeah. I don't know. Enough draft talk for me. It's it's honestly making my brain hurt a little bit. I'm having fun. I can do this all night. Okay, well. Stay tuned for after the 25-8 uh, podcast where we're going to introduce a new part of the show, 25-8 sportscast after the fact. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, I really don't know what the hell that is. Uh, I'm I'm excited for that as well now. Um, Let's move on to NBA. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so. I got all my first round picks correct. Uh, everyone that I picked to win is one. So Wait kudos second. to me. Hold on, what? hold on. What's let's, up? Let's, have, let's have some accountability on this show, Tommy. <laughs> let's let's really talk about what actually happened. Okay. I picked Phoenix. Wait, wait, Obviously. wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Originally. Originally, but you changed changed your mind I, on every, I changed every series. It. No, 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 no. I changed my pick on Phoenix because Devin Booker wasn't supposed to play for two weeks, and then he comes back literally the next game. Right. So that's that's like a warranted change. I still think that Pelicans could have won if Booker never came back. Okay, I believe you also flopped, flipped on the Timberwolves Grizzlies series as well. I I'm did, not- I did, but I originally picked Memphis. <clears throat> You know, I'm just being honest. I think for the people that are listening, they don't remember what you said four episodes ago. That's fine. Ago. That's fine. So we'll talk what about what said I said recently. Episode. What I said recently, I picked New Orleans. And I think that's unfair to me just because of Booker. I picked Minnesota. I got it wrong. Uh, I'm owning up to it. I got Minnesota wrong. Uh, I picked Philly. I went against... I mean, we only had one underdog win in the first round, and that's Miami. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, Jet threw me off my game here coming after me. I, th- I really thought I had all my first round picks correct. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to be accountable for everyone because that's what I want to do on this show. Make sure, you know, when I'm right, I'm going to pat myself on the back. But then when I'm wrong, I'm going to punch myself in the face. So uh, You're going to shove your foot down your throat, right? <laughs> you're going to choke on your foot, right? But, um the only series that I got wrong um, was the the uh, Mavericks Jazz series where I predicted the Jazz to win. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but every series, unlike what Tommy said, the favorite did win. The clear favorite in the Heat did win. No seven game series, which was very surprising. I really thought the Raptors were going to be able to come away with. It. They did. Um, Pascal Siakam really, you know, played a great game in that last one, and you know, did what he had to do. But um. We're on to the uh, next round in these playoffs. 
So I, I just want to give my predictions before we do anything for this round. Now that we now that we have the um, eight teams left, or no, yeah, eight teams left, I want to just tell you who I think is going to be moving on. Obviously, two games happened today prior to this recording, but I already, Jet knows this, I already had both of those series picked. So I had the Milwaukee Bucks moving on. I had the Golden State Warriors moving on. Well, you didn't, I, you didn't even have the Warriors advancing originally. Well, yes, but the, our recent episode, Jet, you keep uh, listen. You can't switch back and forth between oh they care about last episode to oh originally. Well, here's the thing. I'm gonna let you finish your picks, but then when I pick, <clears> all <throat> I'm gonna say is I'm sticking with my original pick when we originally did this before the playoffs started. I know you know you're getting a lot of you know different things fed into your brain after watching all the games, but. Um, as I like to pride myself on being able to, um, provide truthful and quality content and you're a little off brand right now. And it's, and it's kind of, um, it just kind of makes me want to do this. <laughs> that, that has to be the worst part of 25, eight sports history. Honest to God, I, two timestamps of jets hitting the pose. So I apologize, guys. I'm really sorry for that. Um, Get back to what you were saying. I'm getting back to what I was saying. Bucks are Bucks are moving on. Bucks and six. Uh, we'll get back. We'll get to the game that we just watched in a minute. But Bucks and six, Sixers and seven, Golden State in six. No, Golden State in five, and. Dallas Mavericks in seven. Okay, so I, I'm I'm pretty much sticking. Maybe the games may be a little bit different, but the teams that I initially picked, I'm continuing to go with. Um, I have the Heat in five. Obviously, with the Joel Embiid injury, that's going to be tough to come back from. And the Heat, even with Joel Embiid playing, are still going to be the better team once he does, if he does return. I'm still sticking with the Celtics, obviously. Not ideal what we saw. In game one against the box, but I still have faith in them. I still think they're going to be able to find a way. Definitely not going to be easy, but I like the Celtics to win this series in seven games. Um, for Phoenix and Dallas, I have Phoenix winning. Now we have Devin Booker back. Should be no problem getting back to where things were prior. I have the Suns winning this series in six games. And then Warriors Grizzlies. Grizzlies gave the Warriors, a, um, you know, put up a good fight today. And I think that's going to continue the rest of the way but I do think the Warriors still win this series, but it's in seven games. Okay. So I have Bucks in six. Honestly, that may be too many games. The Bucks absolutely annihilated today on the road. And like I said, Katie and Kyrie, as good as they are on paper as players, they've never won together. Right? And I, they'll ne- they never will win together. So as good as the Brooklyn Nets team seems and is supposed to be, let's go back to a preseason tweet of a picture, just a graphic. You know, you see KD, Kyrie, James Harden, right? Then you look on the other Blake Griffin was in the graphic too. Weird. You go to the other side, you see LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis. And guess what? These super teams do not win. 
they have a very hard time winning because the, the main thing is good players, yes, but you need chemistry. 2016 Warriors is the perfect example. That was a super team, and that was a super team that won. And obviously Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. I mean, that's a super team. We, we all know it, but they had chemistry. The difference is, is the, the like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yes, they're great. Du- they're great players, but they're not a great duo, and they never will be. So, Boston looked great in that series. I don't think it means all that much. And I said this in our last episode. Yes, Boston looked great, but we we don't know if they looked great against a a real play-in team, or if they looked great against a team that was supposed to be a top three seed. This first game in Boston that Milwaukee just won by 20 points, it kind of shows me that they beat a play-in team. And my beliefs on the Celtics have shot way down. And Milwaukee Bucks, they're obviously, they're, they are obviously the team. They just won last year. So I'm, I'm taking Bucks in six maximum. Understandable. That was, that was really beautiful um, how you summed that all up. And I, I, you know, I can't argue with with really any of her reasoning. Um, obviously, huge that the Bucks were able to win the first game series, especially because it was in Boston, and it, it's never an easy place to win in. And obviously, the Bucks have all this experience, you know, being where they were last year, winning at all. By the way, they played the Suns in the finals. I don't know if Tommy you realized that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm still gonna stick with my Celtics series. I think that. Coming off of this game, I, I believe they're going to make adjustments. Obviously, you're never going to be able to slow down Giannis, but I think they can find a way to potentially neutralize someone like a Drew Holiday, even Bobby Portis. Like, I don't expect them to be able to light up the scoreboard every game in this series. And obviously, the Celtics are a very good defensive team. We've seen that down the stretch. Jason Tatum had a good game. We've seen him have bigger games throughout this postseason going to really need some of those other guys to step up. Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, especially Jalen Brown, only had 12 points in game one. I'm saying this game, the series goes to seven games. As a Heat fan, I would prefer to, you know, see the Bucs, honestly. And then really, that, the, the reason is, is obviously the Bucs had our number in last year's playoffs, but the Heat have had their number two in other series in the past. Not to say we have the secret formula. We do. I uh, can't really reveal that formula. I don't even think I really know the formula. But we have the formula for defeating Giannis. Um, similar treatment to what's given to Trey Young on a, on a different uh, standard, obviously. Yeah, P.J. Tucker is really going to lock Giannis he's up. He's done it. I mean, he can do it. He's, he's done it in the past. So I'm really not not too worried about that. Kind of interested to... Uh, really get get your reasoning behind that but yeah I, i'm still sticking with the celtics in this one that's fine uh did you watch this game i did not okay i could tell immediately by the way when you said Giannis played well they won this game and Giannis did not play well whatsoever yes he had 24 points the amount of layups that Giannis smoked in this game jet was absolutely astonishing because i i would say Obviously, you look at the back score, 925. He shot 36%, right? Yeah, 36%. 54% from the line. That's not a good game by any stretch. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the points were there. Obviously, the rebounds were there. It's a triple-double. It's a good game. 
right? Right. But this guy, he could have very easily had 50 points in this game. He 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 smoked. I'm gonna say at least at least eight layups, and obviously a few of those were contested, but a lot of them they were open looks. Like they they were shots that we see this guy make every single game. Obviously, no NBA player makes every single shot, but I think it's cause for concern for the Celtics and for everybody in the Eastern Conference that this team just did this on the road against the number two seed that just swept Brooklyn without their best player performing the way he's supposed to perform. Man, also, I think it just helped my argument there a little bit. And, and honestly, I appreciate that. I'll thank you after the show for sure. Um, if the Celtics were able to, from what you said, obviously I didn't watch the game, but from what I've seen, like the highlights and just looking at the box score, the Celtics looked like they were able to neutralize Giannis a little bit. And obviously missed layups are, you know, not due to a defense stepping up or anything, but if the Celtics are able to continue the same game plan they have and, you know, focus on the other names that had, you know, contributed a decent, a decent amount in this one, I think the Celtics may be coming up with a formula of their own. And I think they do have the team in place to be able to knock off the defending champs. I don't know. The thing is, is when you look at the Boston side of the box score is you see what happens when they play a real defense. Like these guys, they did nothing. Obviously some of this is due to like personal error, but you got to give credit where credit's due to Milwaukee's defense. And I talk about Brooke Lopez coming back, how that's huge. And it played out today. He had three blocks and six of 18 for Tatum. 4 of 11 for Horford, 3 of 11 for Smart, 4 of 13 for Brown. I mean, these are all field goal percentages from Tatum down is under 36. Tatum at 33, Smart at 27, Jalen Brown at 30. I mean, yes, Boston has a great defense, but so does Milwaukee. And Milwaukee had no problem really against their defense. That's That's what I'm trying to point out. Understandable, but I think we'll see much, much better games going forward from Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart, and then obviously we'd like to see some more contributions. Really only look like they used three guys off the bench. Obviously, some other guys had some, you know, sparingly, you know, minutes across the, the rest of the way. But uh, you want ready to move on to another series? Yeah. Sixers and Heat. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. It has arrived. I have the Sixers stealing one on the road. I'm coming out and saying it. No intro. Sixers are stealing one on the road. Okay. Game game two, the Philadelphia 76ers win. Game three, we head back to Philadelphia. Joel Embiid walks out of the tunnel with smoke machines everywhere. He's got a, a Reaper mask on, and Joel Embiid is ready to – it's out of a movie, Jet. It's coming. Just be prepared. The Heat get their first win, right? Just be ready for the electric, electric stadium that you're going to witness when Joel Embiid walks out with a mask on when the series is tied 1-1. Okay. Um. Interesting. Interesting. We then proceed to win in, in seven games. Yeah. Okay. Um. I knew you were getting to that. I just didn't think it was necessary. Um. He definitely won the first two. I think not having Joel Embiid 
I mean, if you want to talk about valuable to a team, obviously Joe Embiid fits that bill, and we'll see if he ends up winning the MVP or not. But take him away from a 76ers team, you're relying on James Harden to lead a team. and Who not even three years ago was up there for best player on the planet. Right, but what has he done to show that he can – take a team he hasn't to, led a team since then NBA finals he hasn't led a team since then this is his first opportunity to lead a basketball team since the houston rockets and and that that's behind katie and Kyrie. now here behind joel and here he comes him and tyrese maxi are going to play well and and i really do believe that i think james harden averages 30 points in these next two games I just don't see that happening. Um, I, I feel like what we've seen in the past from James Harden in the playoffs is going to be a constant theme throughout this series. I think Tyrese Max is going to have. Um, He's much, breaking much, the stigma. I've I think, said this. I, I disagree. I think Max is going to have much better outings throughout the series than Harden. Um, I just feel like without Embiid, you give the Heat a bigger chance to you know focus on some of these other guys. It's another. It's, a, it's another option you don't have to worry about which bodes well for the Heat. I Obviously, Joe Embiid, even if he's not at 100%, I expect him to return to the series. And with all the smoke that you're saying is going to be shooting out of whatever in Game 3, I think it's going to amount to nothing, as I think um, the Heat are able to pick up the first three games in this series, and then the 76 are able to win one, one at home, which puts the series at 3-1, but the Heat are able to finish the series off in five games back in Miami. I just don't believe we could talk about the Heat's depth compared to the 76ers depth, the defensive versatility for both teams. Uh, we want to talk about defensive defense, defense wins championships. That's the Heat's model. Um, we saw the Raptors give the 76ers a little bit of trouble towards the end of the series. The Heat are at that same level, but maybe a step above what the Raptors are able to do when you're talking about pure talent. Jimmy Butler's knees are rested and ready to go. And, yeah, so same with the sinuses, right? Your sinuses rested? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Good for, good for Jimmy Butler. Jet, what you're failing to realize is they have no – the Heat, you can talk about the defense all they want. There's no game plan. They don't have a game plan for game one. I promise you they don't because they have not had a game plan for a James Harden who hasn't been the second or third fiddle in an offense. So now they're going to have the game plan for the real James Harden, who is going to step up and show out, and he is going to play well. Well, here's the and thing. I have complete faith in this. But I, like, just, I, this no, is but, a take. But here's the thing. But you just you just said that they don't have a game plan, and yeah, they may not have a game plan going into game one, but I'm pretty sure you have the Heat winning game one. And yeah. if they're able to see what James Harden does as the orchestrator of that offense, they'll be more ready to go for game two, which increases their chances of having a more sound game plan that is going to work to the 76ers. This, this, that's, I promise. I promise that's not the gotcha moment that you think it is. It is. Just because, just because I had the games backwards and what I'm saying, it doesn't matter. Jet, I, I promise you, James Harden is going. I, I'm going to die. I will die on this hill. That's how confident I am in this. And this is my first NBA take that I'm willing to die on the hill of ever in my life so we'll see how it goes well what's one one more thing um 
James Harden, sure, he's going to be able to fill up the box score. I, I don't doubt that at all. But I don't think what he's going to do in the box score is going to translate too many wins throughout this series because he only has to do it twice. And realistically, he only has to do it once. It doesn't even, matter. If they split on the road, that is a absolute win in the 76ers. The thing, even, even if Joel Beat returns, he's definitely not going to be at 100%. And the Heat have a history of not only being able to shut down the 76ers, but Joel Embiid and whoever his teammates, whoever he decides to, you know, have joined forces with him, it won't be a problem. Trust me. Yeah, trust me. He'd have a history, right? Uh, last time I checked their history was uh, winning with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. That's that's the last time I checked about their history. Yeah, well. But let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's advance to the Western Conference here. Uh, first, we'll talk about the game we saw today. And Warriors-Grizzlies, I don't know. You liked what you saw out of Memphis here? From what I've seen, I didn't watch the full game. I saw just the highlights of this one. Okay. And I love – I mean, I, I'm reading, you know, purely off box who aren't just the highlights. But from what I'm seeing, Jaron Jackson, Ja Moran, obviously outstanding mm-hmm. games from them. You will obviously like to see a lot more from Bain, uh, a couple other guys. But for them – to be, I mean, they they shouldn't have been in such a close series with the Timberwolves. With the Grizzlies being a two seed, they shouldn't have let the Timberwolves get that many games. But um, I, I I feel like with what the Grizzlies were able to do, led by John Morant, and obviously I saw the Warriors in this series, but I think just based off of this first game, I, I just have a feeling that the Grizzlies are going to be able to make it competitive the whole way. I agree, and obviously I think Steven Adams not being able to play in this game due to COVID is it is a factor. I can't believe John Morant put up 11 threes because I did watch this game, and now I'm looking at the box score. It really did not feel like that at all. He went 4 of 11 from the three, 31 shots from the field in total. He had a great game, one rebound shy of a triple-double, and you also touched on this. Jaron Jackson went insane jaron jackson played an absolutely outstanding game and that's really what kept this close i don't expect to see a game like that from him again um obviously he's gonna have good games but i don't expect to see just what you're looking at in the box score right now jet um desmond bain though you could also say you know he's not gonna have a game that bad again most likely so the only thing to me is is this team is is technically the two seed not technically. I mean, they are the two seed and they finished the standings above Golden State. And the thing is, yes, they're young. Yes, they're technically the underdogs, but they're not supposed to be. They are the higher seed um, and they did play this game at home. And it's a little discouraging to me just from a outside perspective. Obviously, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know how they felt about this game because they were one John Morant smoked layup away from winning this and uh, on a buzzer beater. I don't know if you saw that play. Okay, well, John Morant, he, he literally just missed a layup to lose the game. Um, But still, I think that if you're the higher seed, you're supposed to win at home, especially if you're the number two seed. And I just feel like that's – and that's the same feeling I'm having with Boston. I'm more confident about that one just because of what the actual score was <clears throat> without Chris Middleton. Um, But same thing here – Obviously, they're the younger team. It's just a little discouraging to look at. Um, they lost with 
I mean, Jaron Jackson played to his fullest potential. Desmond Bain really didn't. Steven Adams, I mentioned, was out. But the Bucks, Giannis or, or the Warriors, they that they also lost Draymond Green in this game. So I don't know. I, I I'm a little concerned. I think this could be a very short series. Yeah, and also. I mean, looking at shooting numbers for Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, they, yeah, they had 15 plus points each of them, but shooting numbers weren't there. Jordan Poole was really the story coming off the bench. Um, obviously, I was surprised to see Peyton starting. That's true. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, with Poole coming off the bench, he's able to make a significant impact and, Shooting the ball, obviously, at 31 points, very close to a triple-double, 12 for 20 from the field. He was really the, the reason that the Warriors were able to pull away from this game. If they could continue to see games from him, you know, the rest of the way, I mean, and that's with Curry scoring less than 25. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like their chances a lot. Obviously, we'll see what ends up happening there the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna stick to Warriors in five. I, I I'm I'm just a little concerned about what I saw from Memphis. Um, I don't know. Does Adams have to miss another game? Do you know? I'm not sure the specifics of what the protocol entails. Um, I I don't know like if, if um what what the actual contingencies and intricacies of it are, but I'm sure we'll find out. You know, very shortly. Yeah, we probably will find out eventually. Probably before the next game starts, I assume. I, I would hope so, yeah. All right, the final series to talk about. Your beloved Phoenix Suns, who you think are the only team apparently that can beat the Heat, versus the Dallas Mavericks. Jet, why don't you take the take the lead role on this one? As I send the Snapchat to one of my friends, I will be happy to um, get involved on this one right here. Um, the thing with the Suns is obviously – the Devin Booker storyline was a big talking point and because we weren't sure we didn't even expect him to return in, you know, the previous series. And he did. And going forward, now that the Suns are pretty much at full strength, I really don't see the Mavericks being able to slow them down. Obviously, when you have Luka Doncic, top five player in the NBA, when he's going to be the best player on the court still, um, that is definitely a significant development. But um, when you have a team when you have a veteran such as Chris Paul, who's able to really be the leader of that team and really orchestrate what this team is able to do, especially considering, as you know, Tommy, the Suns played in the finals against the Bucks last year. Um, I don't get why you keep saying that. Um, anyway, um, the Suns have what it takes. Obviously, they were the number one team all season long. No one really came close. I still would have them beating the heat unfortunately just because of the complete team that they are and i think chris paul is extremely hungry to get a ring and if he gets a ring he'll definitely deserve it so here's the thing for me i think the suns play better this whole entire series so but i still think dallas is good enough to win three games but the difference here is scott foster unfortunately referees one of these games that the Suns play veteran and Chris Paul is screwed by Scott Foster once again. And we do see the Dallas Mavericks in the Western conference finals. And that's honestly the only thing I'm going off of here is that Scott Foster wills Luka Doncic to the WCF. Well, can I make a bold prediction? 
I'm going to say that um, that Scott Foster 0-14 or whatever record, that comes to an end in game two of the series. I think Chris wow. is all able to overcome all of this Scott Foster drama and be able to win this game and be able to walk up to Scott Foster at the end of this game and tell him, tell him, just tell him whatever he needs to tell. I'm not going to get into the explicits with what, what he's going to be saying. I'm not going to shove your foot down his throat. Nah, he'll shove more than his foot down his throat. That's for sure. I can't believe what this has turned into just the way Jed is, is, is evolving. But uh, no, all seriousness, though, Scott Foster is probably going to purposely injure Chris Paul here this series. But... And it sucks. It's unbelievable. We got to try and have Scott Foster on the show just to see like what his side. Again, of the we're going to have him on again. <laughs> <laughs> we can have Chris Paul on again, too. We can put him in a I'm pretty sure they just updated the Zoom software. We're allowed to have four people in a call now. OK, yeah. OK, so, yeah, maybe. Well, okay. well I'll, I'll write that down um, in our little agenda. Just so we have that written. Okay. Yeah. Foster and Paul. Foster, Paul. Part one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the the rematch yeah all right yeah not too much time to talk about baseball here i'll get to something right before the show closes but jet talking about with your something to stay tuned for for the end yeah that's an um after the podcast a little um uh what, what, what do you call it a little like like a like a bachelor like after the final rose kind of thing like after the show's over kind of sit down and have a little coffee conversation kind of talk about what went on in the show i mean maybe airing these types of videos on our instagram so stay tuned i I gotta get the official approval from um our sponsors clidio.com if this is an agreement (laughs) no way that you pronounce that right clidio it's a d bro it's not no t clidio clidio oh my god unbelievable all right um Shout out to Bond. Shout out to Britt. Uh, this episode really does go out to them. They've been they've been keeping us strong. Uh, sometimes Jet and I will have a a bad day, and honestly, I'm just filling time right now. I'm trying to search up word of the day. Uh, we don't have time for that. I, I accidentally upgrade updated my phone, and now the search bar is at the bottom of my screen. I can't stand it. Uh, word of the day. Let's see here. Leviathan. L-E-V-I-A-T-H-A-N. Let's go ahead and get... And this is a word I've seen before. I'm familiar with this term. Leviathan. Leviathan. Uh, a leviathan is something large and formidable. Towering leviathans of the forest. These giant sequoias often reach heights of more than 200 feet. Uh... First glance, sequoia, I didn't think I'd be able to pronounce that word, honestly. And then I realized, you know what, that's a tree. All right, Leviathan. Joel Embiid, emerging from the tunnel, is an absolute Leviathan to Heat fans everywhere. Um, These fog machines are going to make it impossible to see. They're not going to see anything. The only thing you're going to see is a mass Joel Embiid. Joel, Troel, Embiid. This guy is going to have tweets coming out the wazoo after a perfect, perfect series against uh, Jimmy Butler and the likes. A bunch of guys that are most likely going to drop, you know, 15 points here, 15 points there. They may drop 18, and then Heat Twitter is going to go absolutely 
wild for this. They'd be like, oh, Jimmy Butler, the greatest coming since insert name here. Joel Embiid is the Leviathan of the Heat Forest. He is a big, abominable snowman coming to cool the heat. Joel Embiid is a nice snow cone on a hot summer day. Joel Embiid is a lemonade after you mow the lawn in the 94-degree weather. And, oh, man, don't let me forget. James Harden? Well, this guy's a fudge pop after you hop out of the pool. These Philadelphia 76ers are the Leviathans to the Miami Heat in this Eastern Conference. Uh, it's going to be tough to overcome. Jet, what do you take? Um, you know, I think Word of the Day is back. Let me first say that. Yeah, I mean, it, first good day for Merriam Webster in a while. Like I've said, um, this Word of the Day segment always has the tendency to kind of kill the, the vibe of the show every now and then. Um, Understandable. Um, uh, I'm also speechless by what you bring up half the time in these word of the day segments, but it is what it is. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is the ringing of the ice cream truck down your neighborhood in mid-June, Jet. Trust me on this, okay? Just trust me. What were you saying, buddy? (laughs) No, that's that's. I think I think we're good right there. (laughs) I think we'll let the, we'll let the basketball game play itself. Miles Harris is a sponge pop. He's a SpongeBob ice cream. We're ready, Jet. We're ready. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really excited to record this team of the month tomorrow. Uh, we might have to just take to Instagram to have a poll of who you guys hear. That'd be the best way to do it. We should be doing this. I uh, gave you four options. Hopefully, you just don't pick the hockey team because we don't know about hockey. So, I'm Tommy. This is Jet, and that was the 258 Sportscast. Have a great rest of your day. Good night. Good night.